Join Justin Charity and Micah Peters in sound only as they discuss their deepest, darkest thoughts about the millennial lifestyle, rap music, video games, anime, YouTube, social media, and their underlying themes. Check out Sound Only on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? We're back. Another week, R2C2. It's good. Where in the world is Karsten Charles Sabathia? That's that's the name of the game these days, man. You are a traveling dude. Yeah, man. I'm home now. I'm home now. What were you out in San Diego? <laughs> yeah, I was out in California for a week. Um, home for a, a couple of days, and then I got a, another couple of trips. But yeah, I mean, it's summertime. Time to start moving around and stuff. So it's it's, it's been good. Uh, I like it, man. Well, um, I, I love that you were watching the Yankee game today while I was calling it. I I love that you heard the dude sweeping below the booth as yeah. we were calling the game on the mic, yeah, too, yeah. man. It, <laughs> hilarious. It, man, one of, one of the – I haven't watched the Yankee game in, in like, weeks, almost months now. Um, and, yeah, I watched the game today. I watched – I think I watched the game two nights ago. The nine to eight game was that? How, when did I? What was that the game? Eight, the eight six eleven inning eight, weird yeah, game. Eight six, yeah. It was eight, yeah. Six. That was a wild game, man. I watched the end of that game and then I watched today's game. So it's been good. I mean, it seems like the guys have been playing better since they made the trades. Yeah, you, you know what? It, it's really interesting looking at where the Yankees are at right now. And, and by the way, what's <laughs> What's funny is just to close the loop on what I'm referring to. I was broadcasting the game oh, today, yeah, yeah. and you could hear this noise in the background. It just sounds like a, an incessant sweeping, and it's like, where is that coming from? And and I'm looking at David Cohn, and he's looking at me, and we're sitting in Yankee Stadium, an empty Yankee Stadium, calling the game off of monitors still. And the Yankees are obviously in Kansas City for this series to face the Royals. Like, what is this noise? Is it something happening in Kansas City that our crowd mic's picking up? And then we we look, and it was uh, a gentleman sweeping right below the booth in the Delta Club section because <laughs> a- NYCFC has a game there tonight. So, <laughs> so he's getting ready for the game. But it's funny because you're just hearing this, like, sound that's totally irrele- like, irrelevant to what you're actually watching. And- Yo, I, I thought, um, so the... The teams are not, um, the broadcast is not traveling with the teams now? Still not? We still are not traveling. Is um, that every team or is that just the Yankees? I I don't think any of the local broadcasts are traveling yet. Okay. Um, and I think it probably has more to do with money at this point than it does health and safety uh, for most regional networks uh, because, you know, the networks obviously save money. When yeah. you're not traveling crews um, and hiring, you know, local people and whatnot, and so you are, you're, you're, you know, trying to make up some funds from the money lost during the pandemic, etc. You've proven you could do a at least reputable broadcast this way, although it obviously is not as good as being in person and never will be. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if we're gonna. You know, I don't. I, maybe the Yank. I, I. I guess there's a, a road series or two that's possible. Maybe that uh, we teams could travel for, or we could travel for at some point. But as of now, man, it's still off of monitors. Which I'm finally doing a home series next week, and I'm mm-hmm. just excited because I want to be able to call baseball like in front of me and watch and, it. Yeah, yeah, man. Like 
instead of that's got to suck doing the monitors man and just not being in the park like you know i mean it's that's got to be hard it's hard it's hard watching the game you know what i'm saying but like trying to call the game off tv man that's got to be difficult it's so the hardest thing is balls i mean balls and play are way harder right like there's been two or three times where i've called balls in the outfield and i'm i'm saying like looped into right field and all of a sudden the right fielder's like drifting back to the track you know i mean because if you think about it you know when you're watching a game you know we all watch so much baseball we're trained to kind of know what's going to happen watching it right off the bat you could tell if a ball is crushed or whatever but usually there's like a couple times a game where a ball is hit a little better a little worse than you think off that initial view when you're in the ballpark, that can happen to you, but it happens to you way less. You have a way better read. You could also see the outfielders. So it is. I mean, it's 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 something that could be done. We're all proving that, but it's definitely more difficult. The interesting thing is, man, there were, very oddly, there were three outs on the bases in this series to end innings at the same time as a run scored. So, or slightly after a run scored. So th- all three games, there was one play where a run scored and somebody was thrown out on the bases. And the we have to take what's called a world feed. I mean, we're going behind the curtain here. But we're, we're taking, like, the way Kansas City, uh, their, their director cuts the game, essentially, and we're putting little things on it. But it's not the way we would shoot the game. You know what I'm saying? If, if we were in control of all the cameras and whatnot. All three times... They didn't cut to the to the play on the bases. Like they, they, they didn't show the guy getting tagged out. So for me, and this is something that Michael Kay had tweeted about, just complimenting me on, which was nice of him. But for me, and, and I appreciated that. It's like you have a you have an all nine camera, right, which shows you the whole field. And then you have a monitor, excuse me, a monitor, and then you have a monitor that you're like watching the game as if you're watching it on TV, right? And for most things, you just use that. But in this case, if I just use that, I would not see the person get tagged out. And so you have to like quick like avert your eyes to to find it, find the action and it's a it's a zoomed out camera and and call it off of that. But it's one thing for someone like me to do it because you know I'm a younger dude, I'm obviously hip to technology. You know, John Sterling and he expressed his frustration on the air. So I'm not talking out of school. He was go. He was not happy with this director in Kansas City. Let me tell you that because he he had no idea these these outs were happening on the bases because he's calling the game off. You know, like off of what we call the game cut. What you're watching, if you're watching the game on TV, he has no idea this outs happening off the bases because the Kansas City director isn't showing it. So, oh uh, man, I, I know it had to be frustrating for John too. He gets mad. He gets so mad. He gets so mad. I'll tell you a funny Sterling the other day. So Meredith's in. uh, She's doing the pregame show, uh, the interview with Aaron Boone. And John walks into the booth right as Meredith starts the Zoom and is about to ask Booney a question. And, you know, John is loud. And, I I mean, let me preface all this saying, like, I love John. I find him hilarious. And he comes in and just says, oh, Oh, it wasn't yesterday just the worst? Oh, it was the worst. The worst. And he's like screaming it. And you can see Boone on the Zoom like 
looking around. <laughs> Mer- Meredith can't ask her question, man. <laughs> it's just Meredith, like multiple uh, times this year, has had to be like, "Yeah, that's John." Oh my gosh, that's just great. ridiculous. That's yeah, great. it's funny, man. Um, but to, to the baseball team, see, I, I think they found a little something here. You know, the one thing I'll say, and we. Uh, I, I think I did this maybe the show I, I did solo when you were away. Like, I talked about how the one thing this team did do is every time it looked like they were about to collapse and they took a gut punch loss, they would get off the mat and they would just, like, hang around, hang around. And I thought that they proved worthy of additions because of that. And Brian Cash from the front office obliged and gave them really the perfect additions. And if you think about Rizzo, I mean, now they're without him, obviously, on the COVID IL, but... He could not have been a more perfect addition to this team. And he just, it seemed like not just his production, but that he gave the whole team a jolt of life. Yeah, no, I know Riz. And he's perfect clubhouse-wise, too. You know, somebody that can take over and, and kind of step in and be a leader. Um, obviously, he's going to produce on the field. We know what he can do defensively. He's one of the best, you know, um, first basemen in the league. He's going to hit short porch. But I think just to, just him, you know, uh, coming into that clubhouse and, and what his personality can bring, um, you know, we talked about it with, with passing before. Um, you know, when when you make trades like that, it it just it can change and give a jolt to the clubhouse. I mean, that is something. I mean, this this is the same. You talk about you know guys that are you know were you know getting beat up this year, still getting up off the mat. But this is the same group of guys because that in 2017 that was down 0 to two in in Cleveland. We came back and won that series. We were down fucking in in uh, Houston too. Houston. 2 We came back. You know what I'm saying? So this is that that this group of they they are tough because they're gonna get up every time. I don't worry about them being resilient. I worry about like where there's stretches where we don't dominate people, cause yeah, like and and that's what I always said. Even when when I was a part of the group, now I'm on the outside looking in. But it's just like that seems so good. There should be stretches where we win eight, nine, ten, eleven, fucking twelve games in a row where there's no doubt. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And 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 it just, you just don't have those runs. We, and we never have. We're always scrapping and fighting and clawing, and we're always getting back up. We're always super resilient. Motherfuckers get hurt. We, it's going to be the next man up. I'm never worried about that with this team. It's just the cruising part of it because it's never been easy for this group. That that's, that's, what bugs, that's what worries me, I guess. What's interesting is the starting rotation has started to come together in a way where you could see putting together one of those kind of winning streaks, especially with the lineup having a little more speed, a little more diversity, the left-handed, you know, the way Rizzo fit in, the defense being upgraded. But then so many guys just went down at once with COVID or injury. And I do think, like, if you just look a little bit into the future and the Yankees need to continue, I mean, it's been impressive. Schedule's been a little easier, but it's been impressive that they've been able to continue to win despite all this lately. You know, they're in a, they've played, games on 16 straight days. They're 12 and four in that stretch and they've mm-hmm. been down significant pieces. And it's, it's, also- it's a tough stretch of the season too, bro. It's hot everywhere. Cause oh my you know God. what I'm saying? Like oh. it's brutal right now. Cause like these are, these are really, really fucking hard days of the season. Yeah, man. You could see just the Yankees playing the, these games in the 90 degree Kansas city heat. That feels uh, like one Oh five. I felt so bad for JLo yesterday. He came out of the game and he was just like, it just looks so hot. Cause yes. just dying. I know that feeling, bro. Like this, this is the tough part of the season, man. Well, the, 
the interesting thing is if you look at just a little bit ahead, you can see a world where the Yankees have Montgomery back, who, who was pitching great, Cole, Severino, Kluber. You add them to the guys who've been throwing really well of late, Tyone, who's been terrific over his last nine starts. And then you couple some of these arms in the bullpen who've been pitching well. All of a sudden, Nestor goes in the pen. Luis Heal, some of the other new arms they have. You know, Steven Riding struggled the other night, but he's been really good throwing 100 out of the pen. Let me Out tell you who I'm not you. putting in the bullpen. Luis Hill. He ain't going in the bullpen. You want to keep starting. He gets a start, guys. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm down with that. In, he stays in rotation. He'll be the he would be the fifth starter, but he stays in the rotation for me. He, how good has he looked, man? His shit's too good to like to shorten him like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. let him go out there and give give you what he's gonna give you, you know, and he can give you length. Obviously, we we've seen him do it. So I wouldn't even like I wouldn't even fuck around with like Starting to make him bullpen back and forth and all that shit. This guy's a starter. Keep him linked out. Like, if it don't work out into and with everybody coming back, then don't bring him back up. Don't put him in the bullpen, though. Like, let his ass start games if 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 he's going to be in the big leagues. See, he's looked really poised, too. Watch he has. Deal. He really has. He's looked super calm. Uh, that's something that Sevy, that I mean, there's only a few guys. Uh, Nova had that. Mm-hmm. Um, Sevy had that, and and this kid looks super calm, like not like he's just out there playing catch. And um, you know, you you can't you can't buy that, man. That's to be calm and 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 cool and collected in the big leagues is something that took me fucking three years to figure out. You know what I'm saying? Like you talk to pitchers, you talk to guys, you talk to starters. It takes you a couple of years to get comfortable, and he it seems like he's comfortable from from pitch one. I love watching him. It's been a, it's been exciting. It's been entertaining. I feel like. If the Yankees can find a way to keep staying afloat, you could get to this period of time and they could look like a really, you know, powerful team. If you look at the lineup as well, that can also be the case. You know, I I don't know if this would end up being the best composition for their team, but with Stanton being able to play the outfield now, you could, in theory, if everybody came back, land on a lineup at some point where you have Stanton in left. Judge in center, Gallo in right, or you know, flip stand and Gallo if you want. You have Rizzo at first, LeMayu at second, Torres at short, Urshela at third, Sanchez catching, and Voigt DHing. Like the 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 nine hitters in that order would be ridiculous. But you may also want to have, you know, Gardner speed in there and defense. I was about or, to say you ain't got yeah. no speed in that lineup. <laughs> uh, right. G- Gallo and Judge are your fastest guys then all yeah, of a sudden. You yeah. ain't got no speed in that lineup. <laughs> <laughs> hey, jo- Gallo's fast, man. He is fast. Gallo's fast. He's Gallo's faster than fast. people think. Yeah, he's yeah. a good athlete. <laughs> I, it, and I do think it's easier to deal with the strikeouts when the guy plays great defense and runs the base as well. I don't know why, no, but it feels, you know, Passon, feels a better. That's what Passon said, you know, and yeah. he said that on the pod. He said, you know, people, were, you know, keep talking about Joey Gallo striking out and, and all the strikeouts, but the guy's a superstar because he plays gold glove defense, you know, his, his, uh, his own base percentage, you know, the OPS, the way he slugs. So, you know, I mean, for me, the defense alone, like that's, that's a huge plus for me. I mean, obviously – you know, I mean, I playing in the short porch, you know, with, with that pop, you know, it's it's he's going to bump into homers. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's going to hit his homers. So, for me, it's just the defense is the hugest part, the biggest part for me. Yeah. I also think what's interesting to keep in mind with this stuff is 
we have to see how these guys come back from COVID. You and I were talking about this a little bit before we we hit record, see, but you know, it's not just okay, guys are out 10 days, right? And even even if guys have, you know, mild symptoms, it's also, you know, okay, is there any lingering symptoms? Do they have their wind back? And see, you brought up uh, something that I think rings true as well. It's 10 days off, like in the middle of a baseball season. That can really mess with your rhythm. It's 10 days off in the middle to the end of, of the season where the velocity is at, at the peak. You know what I'm saying? Like guys mm-hmm. are at the peak of what they're going to be at right now. So for a hitter to miss 10 days, for a pitcher to miss two starts, that's a big deal, man. I mean, I've talked to Monty a couple times. He seems to be doing well and not have any, you know, real symptoms. I don't want to be, you know, yeah. giving, you know, news or whatever. But he seems to be doing fine. So hopefully he can bounce back really fast and, you know, get you know, get lengthened out and be able to, you know, not have that, you know, that lingering effect of of missing two starts. But that's, I mean, that's that's a big deal at this point in the season, you know, being out for 10 days or as like a starter, you know, being, being you know, not not pitching for, for two starts. See, is there a, is there an actual tangible thing when you, you get on a roll as a team and even as you're losing people, whether it's in the rotation, which has been decimated over the last week and a half for the Yankees, or lineup, which feels like you know they lost a different guy each day, whatever it may be, but you keep finding ways to win. When you're in a groove like that, like is there something that actually affects the results of the game or how you play when you just feel like, you know what, we're in a good place, and you just believe, we're going to find a way to win today? Because the reason I ask it is I feel like right now, watching this team, They've had some good mojo, good juice over the last couple of weeks. And just as like a fan watching, I watch and I say, no, I'm confident. They're, they're just going to find a way to win today. That's different than how I felt earlier in the year. Whereas if they dealt with these blows earlier in the year, personnel wise, I would have been like, oh, gosh, like that's going to be hard to overcome. Or like, here they go. Is that a real thing you feel as a player that actually translates on the field? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, how how the fans feel during the season is how the players feel. Like when you when shit's going wrong and you know at the end of a game, something's going to happen, um, good or bad. It's definitely, you know, you feel it as, as a player. So, you know, those those years when we had everybody hurt, but it was the next man up. It was, you know, Taki stepping up. It was Gio or Shella stepping up. Like, you start to believe in those guys. So then you start to count on those guys like, oh, no. Like, Gio's going to show up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Taki's going to do something to, to help us win. So, yeah, I mean, when, when shit starts happening, guys go down and you rally around whatever you rally around and it works. Then you start believing. So yeah, they're going to Iowa. They're playing in this Field of Dreams game, believing that they're gonna go whoop the White Sox ass for sure. And that helps you actually win the game. Having that belief has an effect on what happens in the game. Then you believe? Absolutely, I think so. I mean, it's just just the mojo around the team, just the energy. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, you know, it's it's not that you know collective sigh when something goes wrong. It's like, nah, we got to fucking fight. We got to scrap. We got to claw. Like. Guys get louder in the dugout, start pulling for each other even more. So, yeah, I mean, the the the, the way and, the, the you know, how the ups and downs of the, the ebbs and flows of the season, I mean, you feel it as a player just like the fans do for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's where I, th- I think this team has some juice now. I, I'd feel better if these guys were healthy right now just because of not knowing exactly when you get them back and exactly what state they're in when you get them back. But I believe this is a very dangerous Yankee team now. I really do. Especially as the Red Sox have come back to the pack. 
Now, the Blue Jays are dangerous, too, coming up the American League wildcard standings. The, blue, Back the home Blue Jays in Toronto, are really good. Man. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That, Getting, that, that fan base makes a difference. I just, I mean, I just don't think they, I think they're pitching short. I mean, that lineup is one of the best in the big leagues, obviously, but I just, I think they're pitching, they might fall short. Yeah. I, Barrios obviously is one, you know, big addition for them. I wonder if they could still slug their way into the playoffs, though, with how good that lineup is right now. Going to be some big games down the stretch against them for the Yankees. Like, the cool thing about being in a pennant race is you watch every night feels like a big game no matter who you're playing. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and you know, it's getting down to that point of the season where, you know, all these games are being big, big games. I mean, obviously, the Yankees are six or seven games back in the division. You know, they got some work to do there, but with so many teams having a chance to win the wild card, you know, all you can do is just go out and try to win your game every night. You know, there's nothing else that you can really do um, because you can't do nothing if, if, if uh, you know, if the Mariners are ended on the West Coast, there's nothing, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to play them anymore. You know what I'm saying? So all you can do is just worry about yourself and go out and try to win a game and, and hope, and hopefully that shit take care of himself, take care of himself. Yeah. I'm, uh, I- I'm locked into this pennant race. It's fun. It feels like, Feels like that good part of baseball season. And you kind of like moving into, you talked about it, see, like that prime sports time when you get into the fall. Like we're we're on the verge of that right now. And the Yankees making a a, a push for the playoffs definitely helps that a lot. Um, yeah, I'm going to wait till September, bro. I'll give, I'll give you a couple of weeks. All right. You keep, <laughs> you, you keep bopping around the country. All yeah, right? I'll, I'll give Dude, you a couple more weeks. Uh, let me, can I just ask you, are you tired? Like with all the 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 bopping around you're doing, are you exhausted at all? I'm not, at all? man. I'm not. You're not feel, ready to I'm just like take good. a nap. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to go. Like, okay. Uh, I'm uh I'm following my kid around. You know what I'm saying? So it's, yeah. it's me watching baseball. So it's yeah. it's actually it's actually rejuvenating. <laughs> when does he have to make like a college decision? See, when does that happen? Because he's going into his senior year, right? He's going into his senior year. Yeah. Um. I mean, like winter. Yeah. Whenever he wants, honestly. I think kids sign so early now that it's, you know, people are like programmed, like, oh, he's got to be signed by eighth, ninth grade, like, whatever. Oh, God. No, I mean, you know, he, he needs to go see the campuses that, you know, uh, the schools that he wants to go to. I want to make sure that he, you know, is comfortable in his decision with the coaches and, you know, having a chance to play and develop. So, um, you know, he's thinking this thing all the way through. So, you know, we have some decisions to make here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, he's in a good spot, man. He's, you know, like I said, it's been a good summer. And, Got a couple more trips, though. Yeah. Well, you keep us updated on those trips, man, because we're all we're all just want to make sure you're getting your rest in because you, you've been traveling. You, you've been taking advantage of the vaccine, and I like that. You're like, <laughs> hey, I'm, I, I'm out here. I'm, I'm going to live my life again. But it's got to be cool, man. That. It's got to be cool for you just watching him. I mean, getting to watch your son right now play baseball like this. Yeah, it's, it's a good it's a good time. I mean, you know, going into a senior year is a perfect time for me to retire. So yeah. not having to be around and travel and fucking feel the dreams and playing and that shit, I get a chance to go watch Lil C. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite baseball movie? Uh you know what? I like um I like For the Love of the Game. I like I, that I've movie never too. seen I've never seen Bull Durham. Um I've never seen Bull Durham. I've never seen Field of Dream. I've never seen I like Sandlot. I think Sandlot is my favorite. I'll go with Sandlot. Sandlot's a great movie. You know what's funny? We're on the air today, and we're talking about the Field of Dream stuff. We're having some fun talking about baseball movies. And I, and I wanted to get into a deeper discussion about it. 
And all of a sudden, everybody's swinging at the friggin' first pitch, man. It's like, come <laughs> is on. Co- is Coney a big baseball uh, movie guy? Yeah, he 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 had a lot of knowledge there. He, did he? he? Yeah, he did. He did. He he had a lot of movie knowledge there. I I we I didn't. I was gonna ask him straight up which was his favorite. Like he was talking about League of Their Own and Pride of the League, League of Their Own is really good. Really Pride, good. Uh, Sixty one is really good. That people don't really. Sixty one is really good. Forty two is was good. I mean, but sixty one was really really good. I think people don't really like. We talked to. Yeah. To Billy Crystal, I think because it was on HBO. You know what I'm yeah. saying? People don't really give that the do it got, I mean, that it deserves, but that movie was really good. It's really good. Which, by the way, if you guys haven't heard the episode of Billy Crystal, it's outstanding. I highly recommend going back and checking that out. There's a, a baseball movie called Everyone's Hero, man, that Little C made me watch. I mean, we watched this movie over a thousand times, guys. <laughs> And it's 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 a baseball movie. It's an animated it's an animated baseball movie, but that's one of my favorite too. It's it's really good. Isn't it funny how when you're like a little kid and you just latch on to a movie or show, you uh, will watch it over and over and uh, over this again. Kid, everyone's hero and Chicken Little were two movies. Uh, oh my god, he loved Chicken Little. Chicken Little, that's hilarious. And and everyone's hero, uh, two movies that I, I if I never see those movies again, I, I mean, I would good? be happy. <laughs> I'll be good. <laughs> it's funny. I think that I'm trying to think of what the movie was for me. I, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was one I would mm-hmm. watch over and over and over again. I still have a crush on Jessica Rabbit, uh, <laughs> but but then the one, the first movie I think of when I think of that is. My sister would have us watch It Takes Two with Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen and uh, Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> yeah. Over and who's the uh, uh, Kirstie Alley as well? Like Kirstie she, Alley. yeah, she literally. We was to watch that movie every single day for like a two year stretch. <laughs> and so when I think of repeat movies, that's right where my mind goes, like yeah. right away, man. But you know what's another, a, a couple other like great baseball movies. Actually, this is kind of good feels because the Field of Dreams stuff. I, I like sneaky great baseball movie, Little Big League. You ever see that one? Which one is that? Where the dude breaks his arm? No, that's Rookie of the Year, which was the other one I was going to bring Rookie up. Rookie of the Year Ro- was rookie. good. Little Big League is the one where... His grandfather owns the twins, dies, and leaves him the team. He leaves. Oh, I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, he leaves. He leaves the um, the he leaves his grandson the team, and he makes himself the manager. And no, it's a, I ain't seen with the that Minnesota, one. With the Minnesota Twins, it's good, man. It's Is really that, good. But Ken Griffey Jr. is in Little Big League, right? Oh, you mean the Rookie of the Year? I mean Rookie of the Year. Yes, Griffey and Rookie of the Year. He's in one of them where, it, where it, yeah. the kid strikes him out. Oh, what? Because the, the one is the, the one where the kid breaks his arm and he throws super hard. That's Rookie of the Year. That's Rookie that, of the Year, yeah. yeah. Ken Griffey Jr. is in that. Yeah, got you, yeah. That's where, th- that's where I first learned that a fastball was called cheese was because, <laughs> because of that. No, Griffey's in Little Big League. Oh, he's in Little Griffey's Big League. Griffey's in Little Big League. So you have probably so seen So maybe Little I've Big seen League that then. Maybe I've yeah. seen some scenes of it. Yeah. I get them mixed sometimes a little yeah. bit. but um, Little Big League. Okay, so rookie of the year, he played for the Cubs. Yes. Okay, okay. Little okay. Big League's about the Twins. Okay. Yeah. Those are two of my favorites, man. I haven't seen them in a long time. Hey, you but. know what's a funny uh, baseball movie? Mr. 3000. Is a funny like baseball movie that people don't really talk about. That's that's pretty good. 
You know what's funny? I've never seen it, man. No, yeah, I've never no, seen a, it. I gotta see funny, it. I always mess with Chris Young because uh, the guy that plays the center fielder and and for the for the Brewers on that in that movie reminds me of Chris Young. <laughs> so I always I always fuck with him about it. Very nice. Hey, C, what do we make of Messi and going? PSG is your team, right? That's my squad, cuz. So how excited are you? Yo, they got like they got three of the. The best players of the last generations, cause like I mean they they're loaded right now, and I was talking to Atta, um, uh, one of uh, our friend of of R two C two E actually does all the graphics and everything for the for the pod, but they didn't even win the French league last year, cause and they they had Mbappe and they had Neymar. These guys are always hurting stuff, so it's gonna be fun to be able to watch Messi though, you know, away from uh, Barcelona in a new Jordan kit. You know what I'm saying? So I have all the all the PSG gear. Nah, it's it's uh it's it's big time. I mean, this is like I don't even know if you can compare this to anybody moving or or playing somewhere else. It's definitely like nobody on that we've ever watched play level move a team. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I don't even know who you can compare this to. I I'm totally ignorant to this. Is he still at or near the top of his game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. Mm-hmm. All those guys are? Yeah. If See, they're not hurt, cuz, if yeah. I mean, Neymar's they're, always hurt. If, they, Neymar, okay. if Neymar plays, yeah. then he's he's one of the best. And Mbappe's obviously, I mean, he's only 20 years old. Like this. Yeah, but I remember him from the last World Cup. Yeah, he's, he's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's those three. It's those three, but but um yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of them being healthy, like like the Nets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Look at you transitioning for us, see? So <laughs> a- a- NBA free agency has more or less come to a close. There are still some moves to be made. Dude, to me, the biggest move of the offseason is Kevin Durant signing a, a four-year extension. No, you- listen to this. What, what I talk, We talked about Dennis Schroeder on the last pod. Oh, my gosh. Bro, yes, he turned dude. out $84 million, got a $5 million deal with the Celtics. What the fuck's going on? Man, like, that... Does this agent still have a job, cuz? Like, I don't, we it shouldn't. Bruh, now yeah. you go from fucking, you go from LA to cold ass Boston <laughs> with a fucking 79, like it's $80 million difference, cuz? Like, what's going uh, on? Man, that what is. What happened, cuz? What, what would you do if you were in that situation? I, like, I would have been pan. I, I would have been panicking. Like, I'd be panicking right now, still, like trying to figure out what the fuck happened or, like he's never gonna see that money again. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Dennis Schroeder's never getting offered that again. Like I know. You know what I'm saying? I like know. what is he gonna have to do the next couple of years for him to even get close to that? Like, yeah. I mean, gosh, dog, bro, it's crazy. Crazy. It's also, it's also crazy because so many guys who are in sort of the Dennis Schroeder class do get paid, you yeah, know, big yeah. time. You know, like you know Spencer Dinwiddie, you might take over Dennis Schroeder. He's about to make $21 million a year, right? Yeah. Like, Dennis Schroeder's going to make 5.9. 5.9, guys. Yeah. Like, uh, man. It, it's, man, it, 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 if you're, I don't know, did the agent just totally misread the market? Or, you know, what number was Dennis looking for that was going to be that much and, higher and, than that? But he turned that down during the season, right? He turned that yeah. eighty-four million down during the season. So yeah, or right before one or the r- other. Yeah, it, yeah, it was like right before or during the season. So I mean that that you know I mean that that helps him out a little bit if he turned it down in the season because 
you know, if, if you get offered that during the season, right? Like, say you're in the middle of, of broadcasting and, and you killing it, you know, d- doing WNBA and all these different things, and then somebody comes and offers you a deal while you're right in the middle of your season. You're like, nah, fuck that. I'll just wait to the end. Like, you're going to pay me more at the end because I got more great stuff to do. Well, it yeah. didn't work out that way for him, you know what I'm saying, yeah. at the end. So I can see him turning it down in the middle of it. But if he you know, turned that, I, if he turned that down right at the beginning of the offseason, I'm like, bro, come on. Yeah, no, I I understand what you're saying, and that is true. There's definitely a bet on yourself mentality, and I've I've definitely if, if you're adopted doing the that. Yeah, I totally get that. I get it less when the offer's four years, eighty four million. <laughs> <laughs> like if ESPN <laughs> comes to me in the middle of you know, me broadcasting the NCAA women's tournament and they say, hey, we'd love for you to stay on. Here's an $8 million a year contract. I'm staying on. I'm you, but you, you might get 10, guys. Yeah. You know what I'm you saying? You know what? If you, I'm, I'm not going to cry about that. I'm going to cry if I only get... <laughs> if, if, I'm going to cry if I go from if I go from eight to 100 grand, right? Which is basically what happened with Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. So I... It, man... That's one where it's just like the tough part is you may never get that money. I mean, like you say, he 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 he's he may never get offered anything he's not close seeing to that. that. Yeah. No. Now now he might be able to like kind of piece together a bunch of one year deals and kind of, if he has a great year this year, can he then get like a two for twenty or something like that or you know? But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, bro, he's always gonna have he's gonna be at the ball now where he could have just. I'm not. I mean, he could have just been, you know, set. Like, yeah, yeah, you're in LA, yeah. You got 84 million. Like, you set. Like, you, you know, your family set. Whatever. Now he's on the grind forever. Now, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Where he's only gonna get one year, two year. De- like, nobody's gonna ever offer him a five year deal again. That's four year deal again. So this is what I. The way you just framed it is is exactly how I think about the deals that are offered to guys while they're still, you know, under contract before they get to free agency. If you offer me something where I'm set. I can accept it because even if it's less than my maximum earnings, I'm set. So I think about somebody like Ronald Acuna, right, who signed the $100 million extension. Now, if he makes it to free agency, he probably would get a $300 million deal or 350 or whatever it is, right, or more. But he's hedging his bets. He's giving up a few years of, of control to say, all right, like I could still end up getting that couple hundred million dollar deal at the end of this one. The, well, but I'm no matter with, what, I'm good. No matter what, if I if I, you know, if I don't play another game, I'm good. I'm good with that if it's your first one. When it's the very when it's the very first one, like it was Acuna, but then everybody jumped on out. Sevy. Sevy, Aaron Hicks. But yeah. everybody jumped on Albies for taking the deal too, right? Acuna yeah. signed a hundred million, Albie signed for 40 something or something like that. But he's set, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, It's his first deal. So he'll play this one out, bet on himself, and then be able to go out and get his big deal. So I don't care. You can't fuck with your first fortune. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care what the number is. They offer you a big number that very first time, you fucking sign it. I don't give a fuck who you are, what it is. You sign it because now you're set. And now you can bet on yourself. You get a couple of years to be able to get you a little routine, figure everything out, grow as a man, and, and then you turn into whatever you're going to turn into and get paid. Yeah, it's real easy for people on the couch to say, you know, oh, what are you doing accepting that? You were going to make you know, 4X that, 5X that, when they don't have 100-mile-an-hour fastballs whizzing by their head. You yeah, know? you take I'm, that first one, man. I had, I had a, like a, 
Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, I had a a player that I care a lot about that, that, you know, we had this conversation and he went the opposite way and it didn't turn out well. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, no, I mean, that, that very first fortune, bro, you got to take that shit. I don't care what the number is. Yeah, it, especially it's this is the way I always look at it. What will I regret more, right? What will I regret more? Will I regret more that I accepted, let's let's say, you know, Dennis Schroeder? Will I regret more that I accepted 84 million and I could have made 110 or that I turned down 84 and then I'm making 5.9, right? I mean, like, yeah, 110 is more than 84. If you can't set up your life with 84, yeah. it ain't ever working out anyway. <laughs> it wasn't going to work out with 110 yeah. either. Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, and that's not to say you shouldn't just get, you know, what you can earn, but there's something to be said for that mental security and knowing you're set. That very first one, cuz, like, yes, when you, when you've, after, when you've already set everything up, then you go when you play the game where you're like, nah, fuck that, you got to pay me. I'm going to yeah. sit here till you pay me. That's when you play that game. But before that, when you ain't got paid yet, when mm -hmm. you ain't sitting on nothing, like you got to yeah. take whatever they're going to give you, bro. So when we have our massive R2-C2 negotiations where you know, we get into the, the, the Joe Rogan contract number someday, C, are we going to go with the, the like, hey, this is our first fortune mentality? Oh, no, the first one. We're, we're taking it. Okay. Whatever right, they give us, we're we taking it. it. We take it. Okay, cool. <laughs> right Just away, sure. What are you talking about? Because I know what your Yankees contract was, but no, I want us to act that, like it's our first that fortune. That nothing to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Nothing good. to do with this. That's what I want. Speaking of big contracts, just to go back to Durant for a minute, man. I mean, I, I just want to put this in perspective for a moment. Think about where the Nets were before Sean Marks took over. Donald Sloan and and Wayne Ellington having to be your prize and you know having no draft picks being bereft of any assets and now you are a team that the best player in the NBA not only chose to join but decided to re up for for four more seasons. I mean, dude. It's incredible when you think about like the turnaround of this franchise. And Sean Marks talking about it uh, publicly was very confident that Kyrie and Harden are also going to sign extensions. Yo, and you know what's crazy now that I'm thinking about it? Like, KD's about to win a championship here, I think. And I think now that he may go to the Hall of Fame as a Brooklyn Net, cuz. How crazy is that? You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, and but not to toot our own horns, we seen this shit coming, though. That's like, it, that's me right. and you sat in that up, up there at their practice facility and it was like, holy shit. The Nets are gonna be good in a couple of years, yes. and now you look at the coach and you turn and you look at it and like they're on the verge of winning their first championship. Like this is gonna be crazy, man. Like it's insane. But and now to see, like you said, like where they were, and to see the best player in the league like is staying there and maybe like a net. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. he's a net. Like yeah, let's go. it's it's dope to right. see. It's not just him moving around from place to place. It's like no, like I'm here. He, he's going to be. He's not only going to be a net, he's going to be known as the net. The net, yeah. Yeah, like yeah when, for when, sure. Now, now you got to win a championship there, but, you know, God willing, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to find a way to win a title over these five years. Yeah, he, I mean, yeah. I mean, and, and right and now, maybe more than one. Prime, yeah, right now, him in his prime, he's, I, I think that if they, they can stay healthy, um, I think if they were to stay healthy, they would have won this year. I think I, if they stay healthy, the they can, they're going to win next year. So it's just 
a matter of them, all three of them being on the floor. I agree. That's how I feel, too. If they stay healthy, they win. And I don't know. Did we talk about the Patty Mills move yet, see? Yeah, we have. We Yo, did. But yeah, I'm, just, I'm just thinking about the yeah. Lakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if that's going to – I don't know. I don't know if, if like, like who who's going to have the ball for the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? Is it going to be Russ? Is it – like – I I think you Russ almost, has to have the ball. But I think, I think you're going to use Russ. I think Russ is going to cut off the ball way more with this Laker team. And I think he could be dangerous like that. Like, like mid-range? He can not, shoot mid-range. Like not even necessarily mid-range, but like just, just like getting to the basket. Getting getting behind the defense and like, you know, LeBron finding him, finding him in the mid-range, but then getting to the basket. Yeah. Like and 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 maybe having a little floater. You know, and yeah. I also think that one difference is, you know, where Russ gets himself into, you know, some trouble in big games or or, you know, just in general is one of the things that makes him great is his supreme confidence. But he's not a good shooter. Yes. But he takes those shots at times where if you're rooting for his team, you're like, I'd rather you not take that shot. LeBron James, I think, is not going to allow Russ to continually shoot in those spots. I think LeBron will be the kind of personality to be like, dude, no, this isn't what we need you to do now. We need you to do this instead. Like, I'm taking that shot. AD's taking that shot. We need you tearing to the rim. That's what we need. We need and, you breaking he- down the defense. He can explain it in a way where I yeah. think Russ can take it. You know what I'm saying? And you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it goes I, like I, this. I'm LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it don't go like that, guys. Yeah, not with Russ, bro. Like, it's gotta be. He's, he, it's gotta be some fucking negotiation right there. And I feel like LeBron can negotiate that. I, I totally agree. And, and I also do do want to say this. Like, even though you know we can point out how the flaws of Russell Westbrook might surface in matchups against the best of the best. I'm not saying flaws. I'm not saying flaws. I'm just saying, like, I don't know how it's going to work. I am just talking about his shooting, right? But I still love him as a player. And he's an amazing, amazing force on the court. But I agree with you. See, I'm curious about how all the pieces will fit together. Having said that, I I, I I still expect them to go to the finals. Yeah, no, I think they're going to. I, I, man, I think the Warriors are going to be really good, guys. Yeah, actually. The Warriors are going to be really I, I think good, the, I guys. I think Nets, Nets Warriors will be my final bro, pick. But Kaminga, the Lakers be good. is going to surprise a lot of people, bro. Especially having that space out there with those shooters. Kaminga's legit. Like, And the even play? just watching the Summer League, like these kids, are, like Jalen Green's, a, I mean, have you seen this kid yet? Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, dude. The, the, yes. the Josh Christopher kid. I got a chance to see him in Barclays a couple of years ago. He was still in high school. And before he went to, I think he went to Arizona State. Before he went to Arizona State, he's legit. Like, did you watch any of the G League Ignite games last year with I some did. Of these I watched guys? a couple because Kaminga is yeah. from here. He's from Long Island. And my, my trainer, TJ Lopez, started working out with Kaminga when he first came from uh, Africa, when he first came over here. So wow. I've been watching Kaminga for a long time. I've been watching Jonathan for a long time. And so when he went to the G League, we watched a bunch of games, and he's a pro because he was a pro when he was 16, 17. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. that kid could get buckets. Like, yeah. he's going to surprise a lot of people because he's going he to be on the West Coast getting buckets out there with Steph and them. So I think the, the Lakers are going to be surprised at how, the Warriors, how good the Warriors are because the Warriors are going to be really good because. They're going to be really good. And if Kawhi comes back, Clippers will be interesting at the end of the year. Denver's nah, going to be real interesting if Murray comes back. I want to see how 
I, I, the Clippers are weird. Like they are weird. They're weird, bro. I, I, but I want to see how the Suns come back. Now mm. that they're go, they're going to be hunted. You know what I'm saying? They came off the, the finals, and now everybody knows they're really good. I want to see how Booker reacts coming off this this uh, this Olympics run. Like I, I want to see what they what they uh, what they do. And there's still there's two big dominoes still that can fall that can change things. Ben Simmons, who on the right team can make a massive, massive impact. You say Miami, you think, right? I don't know anymore now. Because Miami already reloaded with a bunch of different moves, you know? I don't I mean the trade that makes the most sense for me, and I don't know if it's the perfect landing spot for Simmons, but is Philly packaging Simmons and a bunch of young assets for Lillard. You know, you you put Lillard on the 76ers and Philadelphia to me becomes a team who can absolutely compete in the East with Milwaukee and Brooklyn. That's a that's a great move. That's a but I, yeah, that's a great move. That, can you that imagine Lillard and Embiid? No, I couldn't. I mean, because I, I, I want to see Lillard with the Knicks, but that would be sick if he was in the 76ers. That'd be. The, I mean, the tough part with if with Lillard and the Knicks is, do you have enough around him then? to compete once you deal for him. Oh, right? no, you have to revamp the whole roster. No, yeah. them right now, the way they constructed, just adding Lillard, no, no. Well, if you if you added Lillard and kept everybody else, you might you be think, able like, to. You think, like, what, Randall? No, I mean, I, I don't think you're going to win a championship, but I think you're in a good place to, like, you know, continue to to grow. I don't think you're going to beat Brooklyn or Milwaukee, but but the problem is you wouldn't be able to just add Lillard to this group. You're going to be trading significant pieces to get him. To, to get him. Yeah, like the reason the Nets could do what they did to get Harden is because they were keeping KD and Kyrie. And so it's like, yeah. okay, as long as I have those three guys, I can figure out the rest. You know, with the Knicks, if you're going to have to trade... You don't want to have to trade quickly or well, or whoever you know, else. If you have to trade RJ Barrett and, you know, quickly and Toppin and, you know, your future first rounders or whatever. I don't know. I mean, Damian Lillard's still making you better if he comes here. But is he coming to a better situation than the one he's been in in Portland? You know, yeah. or is he going to be in the same place except for now when they don't get over the top? Eventually, he's going to really hear it because, as we saw with Melo, Knicks fans aren't going to be just cool going to the playoffs. No, they're not. They, I mean, they, they want right win. now they are because they've been so bad for so long. But eventually, they hey, won't. No, I think the Knicks fans they ran they just they basically just ran it back because they signed everybody back. I know. I know. <laughs> they say, "Fuck it, we gonna run it back." I'm really curious to see how that works. Me too. Especially with the rest of the East, because we know Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly are the top three in the East, right? Miami's going to be knocking on that door with them too. Atlanta. Atlanta, see how they come back. Boston is still like, they were a little down this year, but they're in the mix. Um, Chicago is an interesting young team with talent that made some, I think, significant moves. But did I tell you? I, I think Zach Levine's going to be really good this year. I, I, I yeah. like players that that go to the Olympics and get a chance to play on that Team USA. Yeah, I think yeah, I point. think they always I think they always make a, a a huge jump after that summer. I think Levine's going to be that that next guy. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work out with him and Lonzo. Yeah, I think he's going to go into next free agency, and he I think he'll he'll end up being a baller. He's a That's baller a, now. I'm just saying, like, yeah, the guys that play in that team USA, they come out the next summer and they 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 kill. Yeah, they do, they do. Um, all right, see, we have some Twitter questions here from people. Uh, Shaylee 
N or Shailene says tweets who would play the two of us in a movie about the podcast. That's a really good question. That's a fun question. I that like is fun questions. Fun questions are fun. Well, you know, I mean, for me, it, uh, I mean, who would play you? I always say Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. Yes, a hundred percent. If we're and going then, with like look-alike status, yeah, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, yeah. And, then, right. and then it would have to be fucking what's the guy from Wonder Years for you, Fred Savage, baby, Fred Savage, Fred, Fred, <laughs> Forrest Whitaker, and Fred Savage. That's who plays the movie about R two C two, man. Oh, seriously, <laughs> you know what's funny is I literally. So I still, you know, you could still see it if you, you know, look at me. But if you look at me when I was four to twelve. I looked exactly like Fred Savage. I, <laughs> I kid you not. There, at least one person every single time I would be on a train, plane, wherever. If I went out, at least one person would always come up to me and say, "You look exactly like Fred Savage." Like, one, <laughs> like, like knowing I couldn't be him because I was too young, to be, but, too like, yeah. but I look so much like him, they weren't sure. Like maybe something <laughs> happened scientifically. <laughs> like, uh, literally, yo, that show's up. coming back. Wonder Years coming back, bro. Oh, the uh, that trailer looked great, man. Yeah, That's it's Dom Cheadle this time, so it should be good. I'm excited about that. That'll be really good. I'm very excited about that. All right, a couple other um, interesting questions here. Um, oh, this is Mike Scudiero asks, which game was more bizarre for me in the booth? The Twins game that ended with the Hicks crazy catch or Monday's Royals game. You know, the, the Twins game was because I was also at the ballpark. Yeah. And so you feel the energy more. But Monday's Royals game was weird, man. A lot of strange stuff happened in those. Like, first time ever you had four blown saves still win the game. First time ever you had, you know, three in the history of baseball, three teams had ever scored runs in the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, and eleventh innings. In that game, two teams did. Yeah. Um, some guy gets hit in the face with a ground ball at the end of it, courtesy of Guardy. Like, some weird stuff, It was stuff, crazy, man. too. Like, after the ninth, it was like they had scored, and like, and we had just scored, but we had the same amount of hits. Like, it was like the scoreboard was identical. After, like, it was, it was a weird, bizarre game, like you said. I mean, I think the 2019 game was just so much energy and so crazy because... I think everybody felt like the 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 twins were on the verge of like beating us. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like it was it was a great series. We had always been walking them off and different things and blah blah blah. blah. And like they had played great that series. And that game yeah. was back and forth. They wasn't giving up shit. Yeah. And like Hicksy had to make that catch for the game to end. You know what that, I'm saying? And yes. I remember leaving that night like, man, fuck, we might lose these motherfuckers in the playoffs. Wow. That's what that, like that's why I just that's the only reason I remember. The energy and why that was such a big game. It also that game had these massive swings and like big hits, you know? It, like it you, was bro, it was so many times where I was like, damn. And it was it was a regular season game. Yeah, it was. But it, it was felt like, like a playoff game. Holy yeah. shit, we can't lose this game. Oh, we're gonna yeah. lose this game. Oh no, we're not. Like <laughs> it was the I don't know why we were so invested in that one fucking game. It was crazy. Like, I don't know, it was the, it was the weirdest thing, but I think it was because. We had beat them so many times, and there's so many, you know, it was the, it, we had just had the fucking uh, wild card game and yeah. all that different shit, and it was it was, had just led up to that one moment, which was a regular season game, which is crazy. 
Because like that, even after we played them in the postseason, and yeah. even after we we beat them in the postseason, it was like ah, like blah. Yeah. But like that game, we celebrated like we fucking won the World <laughs> Series. It was crazy. I, I love seeing you guys. We were getting a drink in the lobby bar after. I love the whole team coming through. We and, were and jacked like, up. We all, yeah, yeah we were all yeah. on the bus together. Yeah. Like, I remember that night like like it was yesterday, but like a regular season game. It was so, so random, so crazy. It was great. Um, this is an interesting question. Bro9 asks, when and why did CC start barehanding baseballs thrown back to him on the mound? I don't think I've ever asked you that. No, I don't even know why I started. Uh, man, I, it was just something that I did. Um, but I didn't start doing it until I was in the minor leagues. Like, I was in the lower minor leagues, maybe rookie ball. Um, and I would just – I would, first it started after strikeouts, and it would just be after any out. Um, mm. And then when I was younger, my rookie year, Travis Fryman hated it. He didn't like that I did that. So he would throw it hard as hell, and I would still catch it with my bare hand. Whoa, like, really? Yeah, fuck it. Like, because it was something that I was going to do. You know what I'm saying? Like – I was setting that. So, like, I, you know, I, obviously I talk about I came up at a big league's time where, like, you had to be respectful. You couldn't do certain shit. So, me grabbing a ball with my hand as a 20-year-old after getting outs and strikeouts, guys didn't like it, whether it was on my team or the, or the other team. And Really? They didn't Tra like that? Travis Fryman was one of them. So, he used to throw the ball hard. I still caught it. The whole year he did it. And I caught it all year. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he wouldn't walk close. You know how, like, I would walk over to third base yeah. and, like, yeah, no. Nah, toss he, it to you lightly. Mm -mm, he would throw it hard, and I would still catch it. <laughs> it's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. See, the, the big leagues are different, guys. They were a lot different than when I came up. <laughs> I'm mystified right now. See, he's <laughs> laughing because I'm giving a, a quizzical look on my face. Yeah. That, that's a crazy story. I've never crazy. heard you tell that story. So you're telling me. This asshole over at third base was so <laughs> mad about you catching the ball with your bare hand that the franchise's top pitching prospect, <laughs> the future ace of the staff, he decided he's going to fire balls at you yeah, and make you catch it with your bare hand. He didn't like that shit. So, nah, but, I, but the fact that I caught it, the fact that I caught it all year like that, I think he respected that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would, I would still just catch it. Like, yeah. It is what it is. I don't think Travis gets any Christmas cards after that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a crazy story. That's it. Oh, this is an interesting. Talking Jake from Talking Yank says, him, John Boy and me versus you, see, in a UFC octagon, what is the round and end result of the fight? Three on uh, one. I'm not a fighter, cuz. Which I, lo <laughs> I, I love that about you, but you're a really strong man. So do you think you would destroy us? Nah, I think y'all would win. Okay. I'm, I'm right. never I'm never getting into an octagon or ring or anything like that, by the way. No. Okay. So anyone who asks about, will you do this YouTuber never, boxing? Fighting, nothing. blah, blah, blah. Never. I would no. never do that shit. No. Yeah. You, yeah. you can't you can't play fighting, cuz. Like I'm not. Yeah. Like, me, that's that. not for me. I like I to play know. around. You know what I'm saying? I, like I don't I don't when I if I get to a point where I'm about to fight you. Yeah. Like, a, I might I might fucking, I'm going to really hurt you. So I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm we, not a, we don't need that. I'm not a fighter. <laughs> we, 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 we don't need that. No, none, none of us need that. Um, <laughs> this is interesting. Okay. One or two more questions. Matt Hepner, Matt the Stud on Twitter. Very nice, Matt. Says, what's your favorite food from any stadium concession stand? Man, Dodger Dog is always really good. Mm -hmm. We were talking about this the other day. 
where were we at? Oh, it was the area codes we were talking about uh, as the players when we go to the game because I went to the um, to the Padres game at Petco, and I'm really oh. intrigued by ballpark food because yeah. like dipping dots and cotton candy and shit. Like I yeah. like I like ballpark food, so we had like some nachos. Me and Carter, Carter's like the kid. My Carter's my son. Carter is the kid. My kid that's most like most like me. Like me and him are exactly alike. <laughs> like like everything that he thinks I like. I know what that kid is thinking all the time. We're literally exactly the same. So in the third inning of the game the other day, we went to go see Machado. He looks at me like the guy came down with nachos. He looked at me. I looked at him. We ran up and got nachos. Like so, we just like love ballpark food. So, um, uh, and I, I think, but for me, I think the best the best food at a park. I think Kansas City had good ribs. At the ballpark, they are so good, good. at the ballpark. We were talking. We were uh, showing Arthur Bryant's uh, during a broadcast last oh, couple yeah? days, man. And Negro Leagues Museum, we did a lot on that too. Yeah, and they had uh, they had Satchel's uh, uh, his bus from the museum out there the other day. The first day the Yankees were in town, they had it traveling around. So they had it at the at the Royals That's Hall of it. Fame that day, and then they had it yeah. at the Negro League Hall of Fame. Oh, I love it. I um, mm, I'd have to say my favorite concession. That's interesting. You know, I really like. There's a Lobel's steak sandwich at Yankee Stadium. Ooh, I always seen the. uh, Always seen the fucking sign for that. I'm like, what is that? With horseradish sauce. Yeah, and and they always show the the person like the person up there cutting the fucking steaks. Yeah, they always show them cutting the meat. Yeah, it's It's bullshit. You know what? Uh, The garlic fries in San Francisco. The garlic fries in San Francisco are are probably my favorite. Yeah. They also, at Barclays Center, they have juniors there, the cheesecake. Yeah, they do. That was always do. good. Yeah. Yeah, they that do. They good. got juniors. But like now that. I'm really into baseball ballpark food, bro. Like, yeah. like going to the pet, going to Petco and, like, being a fan, going to Will Call, getting tickets, like, walking in the concourse and shit, that was, that's fun to me. Like, I enjoyed yeah. that a lot. And we were in San Diego, so people didn't, you know, like, people didn't really recognize me. Like, it was... Few people did, but not 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 for the most part. So it was uh it was actually fun to just go and enjoy a game. Like I didn't have to sit in a suite. I didn't have to have like security around and shit. Like we just actually sat behind home plate, watched a baseball game at a big league stadium, and like enjoyed the atmosphere. The shit was fun. Ah, that's awesome. See, I think that's gonna about wrap it for this episode of R two C two. What do you think, man? That's perfect. All right. You guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday, bonus episodes as well. If you have not yet heard our episodes with Drew Robinson and his powerful story or Walker Bueller, the ace of the Dodgers and the favorite to win the NL Cy Young. Make sure you go back and listen. Tell everybody you know about R2C2. And remember to follow us on Spotify and also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We will see you guys next week. Peace, everybody. Peace.